Death Before Booze may discuss controversial or sensitive topics and is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Thanks for joining us Hi. again here at Death Before Booze. Death Before Booze. Booze. I'm Sam. I'm Jen. Hi, Jen. And Hi, who Sam. is this handsome creature who's joined us today? This what is up, my everybody? brother, my baby brother, Nick. Hi, baby brother, Nick. <laughs> Representing the show. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, see, we all have our merch on, so, like, you guys definitely need to go get some merch. It's fun. It's I really warm and cozy. No. Buy the shirt. Buy the shirt. Buy the shirt. <laughs> Buy the shirt. And now you have to because Nick said so. I mean. I mean. Can't disappoint Nick. This is our first time having a guest. We're like super stoked. But like this is the episode that I was like, we need a guest. We are so because stoked I'm... and we have no clue what we're doing. So it's been about 45 minutes of technical issues. But we've made it here. <laughs> so we are here. We are ready. We are doing it. And... Nick, since we brought you on to help us out with this episode, you want to tell the people what our topic for the show wrestling? Yeah, covering professional wrestling. <laughs> so I'm going to be very, very stinking honest about this. I'm very glad that Nick is here because I know nothing except what my cousin Stephen taught me when I was like ten or eleven. And what Stephen would do is he would um, rent the pay-per-view on Sundays and then I would go over there yep. and it would be me and him and my two other cousins, Steffi and Summy. And he would basically just body slam all of us on the bed in my aunt and uncle's room while we watched it. And there was some guy who said suck it a lot. And then The Rock <laughs> was definitely a thing. I loved him even then. Um and I think that's about the extent of my, uh, oh, 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 and I know the McMahon, McMansion man, what's his name? Vince? Vincent? Vince, yeah. McMahon? We don't like him, though, so it's fine. I hate him. That I know. We, we, we fucking hate, hate, we hate him. We hate him. We hate the him. Stain. Oh, he's a shit stain. Okay. So that's the extent <laughs> of my knowledge. Room. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, apparently Jen and Nick and her family were big wrestling people and they're going to carry me this episode. Yay! It's just really funny because Sam was like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. So she picked a case and I, I don't, I'm not familiar with this case. I do this really cool thing so where I go. look for obscure topics and in the first four links of Google, I found this topic like two or three times and everybody's like, yeah, I've never heard of this human. So... Yeah, no idea I mean, what you're talking about. And this is a very quick case, so I'm glad that the two of you are going to cover like uh, a real case. <laughs> I'm going to call this. Yes, a, this is the fake one for the day, um, <laughs> and then you guys will cover like the real legit thing. Okay, so I covered Brian McGee, whose uh, stage name is that what we call it? His like stage name or WWE name or like Pound It Wrestling name was DT Porter. Okay, he was born Brian McGee on February 3rd, 1984. He actually turned 40 
three days ago. When True. <laughs> okay, so Brian McGee was born in St. Louis, Missouri. He was also known as Donovan Ruddick. I don't know where that came from. That's like a fun name you pick out of nowhere. Like, where do I come up with? My name's Brian. I'm Donovan now. I don't know. Um, and then he competed under the moniker of DT Porter for the World Wrestling Entertainment People, and that's the WWE. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So his wrestling stats are he's listed at 6'7", with a weight range of 250 to 2 sounds. Um, finisher and signature moves were Iconoclasm, which is a reverse crucifix. Oh, I love that move. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. This is making sense. I'm picturing, I'm picturing it. Okay. It makes sense. I could get it. And the other move was his future endeavor, which is a launching crucifix powerbomb. I'm going to go oh, with you have to top jump rope? off of okay. something because you're yeah, launching rope. and you're like this. I'm all in okay, cool. Look at me go. His <laughs> nicknames were also The Future or Donovan Ruddick, which again, don't get that one. And his theme music was Hold Your Head. Interesting. Is this like ringing a bell? Because the two of you look like you're like searching your brain. Like, wait a minute, this could be something that's not as obscure. Um, support I, I that. So, what what year did he wrestle? Did it does it say? That's a great. Yes, it does. But I'm not there yet. So hold on. 2010. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay. 2010. Huh. Okay. So his accomplishments and championships were um, for high voltage wrestling. He was the HVW heavyweight championship. He had that one time. For Lethal Wrestling Alliance, it was he got the heavyweight championship. For Mid-Missouri Wrestling Alliance Southern Illinois Championship Wrestling, he won the heavyweight championship one time. And for uh-huh. Pro Wrestling Illustrated, he ranked him number 476 of the 500 biggest single wrestlers <laughs> in the PWI 502,000. The PWI for loser wrestling fans like me, um, <laughs> it's basically it's like the top 100 charts in music. I was gonna say it's like yeah, I would say if you want sense. an equivalent, I would say it just this. There's always a list of it's always 500. It's not like you know we're gonna pick a random number. It's always 500. 500. And yeah, just to give you some context of what that means. Okay. Cons- people who did it considered him one of the 500 best wrestlers in the world. At that time, so, or like to this day, at at that time. Okay. So the PWI does one, um, I believe, ranking a year, and it's usually t- towards the end of the year, okay. and you'll see guys okay. who, guys, girls too, who win it. Um, so it's national too. So considered at that time, that year, one of the five hundred best wrestlers okay. in the world. So it's like my Spotify Wrapped. Yeah, cool. And okay. it's like the world. So it's like you could do like New Japan wrestling and stuff. That's cool. You do everybody. We'll get to New yeah. So where's Andre the Giant? Well, he's he kind of died. Uh, <laughs> he kind of died a couple a couple years ago. Oh, so oh, that's sad. Yeah. Okay. So Brian's early life, he was definitely bullied as a child, possibly because he was poor and not having all like the same things that kids had. Um, but once he got to high school, everything changed. He, like, grew. Like, he shot up. He got really into, like, varsity sports, football, basketball, all that. And right after high school, he joined the Navy. So that's where he learned how to be tough and have that discipline and everything else that you need to be a wrestler. Because that's one thing I, I do know. Like, these are athletes. Like, they have that sportsmanship to them. So that mentality alone, like, woof. Okay, so now we're at wrestling. 
DT took to the ring in 2010 and had a never say die attitude. He has been described as lacks mercy and will deliver great anger and furious vengeance on any who stand in his way. Um, not Grave Digger. Undertaker man with the hat and the coat. The you know what I'm talking about? Like, never say die. Like, I just picture him, like, digging a hole in the ground and throwing the dead body. I remember. <laughs> uh-huh. He was featured in mostly developmental matches. What's that mean? So, like, he was the... Um, think about it, like... um. I don't know your sports knowledge. Think about it like, you know, the European leagues are like the top leagues. Mm-hmm. Like, think of that as like WWE. Okay. Think of like MLS as developmental. Okay. Love that. All right. He was given four chances for like the pay-per-views, um, but he lost all of them. And now here's my question, and please don't get mad at me, because from what I understand about wrestling is – like, 90% of it is scripted. Like, they walk in, they know who's supposed to win. Like, obviously, shit can go wrong when they're doing things and things can be improvised a little bit. But they rehearse these matches, right? Like, they, it's kind of scripted. It's, and, like, there's a puppet master saying, okay, we hate this guy this week and we want to make this guy look good. Like, is that the... I mean, like, cool. basically, yeah. Because basically the idea is, like, it's scripted because you know what's who's going to win. You, I would hope that they would practice, but sometimes I guess they don't. And that's where kind of sometimes injuries will happen. But then it is one of those things where if you are on the bottom, like it seems like this guy was, um, his job is basically to lose, like make everybody else look good. And that makes you mad because you're like, well, when am I going to get my chance? And they're like, no, 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 no. Your job is to just sit there and get the shit kicked out of you. We okay. call them jobbers. Now there's oh, a, I, now, I would say the word is uh, enhancement talent. So oh, that's a better title. That looks better on LinkedIn, definitely. It, that definitely looks better on LinkedIn. So sometimes as an enhancement talent, you're brought to a show. No one knows. No one actually shouldn't say no one knows. No one gives a shit who you are. Like you're just there oh, okay. because you have a match against what the puppet master wants people to wants a guy or a girl to cheer for. So they'll have a match. The people that the puppet master want to cheer will look really great in a match that lasts like a minute tops. Mm-hmm. And you are you just, look you shocked, there, but oh my God. you go out there in your gear, you just take it. And the big thing is sometimes like it's the word is selling. So how great, how great can you make the person that the puppet master wants you to win? How great can you make that person look? So with their moves, like for example, this person's moves like a crucifix power bomb at six, seven, I'm picturing this dude's big, massive body. So clearly he doesn't have any problem. I, I would assume picking up somebody, throwing them around. So your job, if you're the enhancement talent that night, your job is to, Make that move look like you died. <gasps> oh my god! Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. You got to make it look good. You got to make the other person look good because that's it's a television show. You know, if it's you see something value like, in the end, it's not yeah, like MMA exactly. where they're like like trying to kill each other on purpose. Like exactly. exactly. Like, this you have to keep the story first thing. Um, back to DT. He actually was on two WWE trading cards as DT Porter. 
So he made it far enough that he had like cards. I, I thought that Back was. Back in the day. Yeah. That, I thought that yeah. was pretty impressive as somebody. There's I didn't even know there were. Oh things, yeah, uh, my cousin Steven used to collect all sorts of cards to hit it out of the park. Okay, so while he was in developmental, he was injured while he was getting ready for a match. So he was out. just a quick about this. Um, it seems like wrestlers are they have some sort of union. So when they get hurt, they have to like you know be under medical care. Like they're in the entertainment business. These are assets to uh, entertainment company. If you really think about it, so if somebody gets hurt, they need him making sure you're back up. Same thing with, you know, Major League Baseball, soccer. It's the same. I think the difference between Major League Soccer and Major League Baseball is that wrestlers are considered independent contractors. So they have to pay out of pocket for their stuff. So oh, I didn't even know that. Perry, so yep. Beachy Perry, who, who got hurt, and that's unfortunate, he had to pay out of pocket for all of his medical stuff. He has to pay for all of his insurance. He had to pay for all of that just because wrestlers <laughs> are considered – independent contractors so they're not they don't get the same um i guess level of insurance that a professional a professional athlete on a football team a baseball team a soccer team would now i'm so shocked that they're big, not under one of the like entertainment unions they're not then. there's no union for wrestling there's what are no, they fucking no doing professional wrestling i'm gonna yeah, commandeer um, that, that is, let's start a union for them they need good doctors that is too. The topic of conversation for like i'm being honest like 50 years um, it was just something to where at the beginning, I'm sorry, I'm going tangent, but like, it's, it's a tax thing. It's like, I want to, I want to save some money. So this was when this, there's so many scandals involving wrestling. So I won't open that worm, but, um, just know that there was a trial. The government got involved. The FBI got involved. And based on their decision, wrestlers are independent contractors based on their decision and what happened in that court. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I still think that's bullshit, but okay. I didn't know that, but I did you know should. that they are, you pay for your own stuff. And the problem with that is that he was off TV for 10 months, which means it's a problem when you're off TV for that long. Cause people yeah. forget who you are. Especially well, this guy. Knows who you are at the beginning. No one's going to care that you're. Well, back. even then all of the other developmental people were like, just fix it. Like you could do it. Da-da. But he wasn't allowed to, like he had a 10 month, right. you can't do shit. Even if you feel great, you are not allowed to get back. So finally he put up what people called a cry for help post on Facebook that was later taken down. But basically like it says in quote, guys, I don't know how much longer I can handle this. Every day is a constant struggle to keep my sanity. I love wrestling, and it's all I ever wanted to do. Already going crazy since I've been out for like 10 months now, and it, but it gets worse. Every day a trainer goes out of his way to rib or disrespect me in front of the boys because I've been out so long. I can't clear myself. I want to wrestle more than anything, but I don't even know who I am anymore. It's so fucking hard. I just feel it just building inside of me, and I don't know how much longer I can contain it. I have daydreams of just fucking everyone up on some real shit i'm not a kid i'm a fucking man but what do you do when the people in charge of helping you get in the main roster are the ones making your life the hardest i've been drinking almost every day it's to the point where i keep vodka and gin in my truck help me Jesus and this Christ. is where i'm gonna put in our little if you're having problems with alcohol depression anything like that yeah hell yeah we, we talked about this on the literary lore reach out to somebody we want you here don't do something stupid yeah it's only for the moment. 
you have support. I'm not getting back to into add that. To but... it, I would much rather hear you talk to me and explain a hard conversation than have to ask why at a funeral. So that is a fantastic mm. way to put it. Nick, thank you for saying it like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did the WWE like do anything about that? Because I feel like that is the, his cry for help and someone should be like, oh, well, well, you know, I, you know what? No, I'm going to answer is, my own question. <laughs> yeah, no. So this is in like 20, um, 2010, 2011. And also in the background of his personal life, his wife left him. So all okay. he was, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, between. Not making money. Yeah. He's, yeah. Probably, he's having financial issues. He's trying to figure out his career. You know, now his wife leaves him and it's nothing like he, his whole world is just kind of upturning. And then in 2012, he was released from his contract with the WWE. So now we're we're in 2013, Wednesday, July 24th, 2013. After a really hard conversation with his ex-wife, they weren't like fully divorced. They were separated, but they were all like him and his ex-wife, although they weren't. So after this really hard conversation with his ex-wife, McGee jumps in his car and he drives to his now girlfriend's house. Um, his partner lives in an Egypt area apartment. Um, her name is, is Bianca McGarry. Nailed it. Nailed so it. about 8 p.m., Bianca receives an, a text message from the ex-wife. And she was giving her a heads up, like, he's acting a little weird today. He's being erratic. Um, just keep an eye out on yourself. Be careful. Call me if you need me. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, like his wife is like, something's not right. She's looking out for the new girlfriend. Like, they're all still kind of on good speed. So, um, Bianca and Brian, they they had been dating, but they were kind of on again, off again. Right now, they were in an off again spot. Um, they had broken up almost a year prior. Um, they oh were God. sort of seeing each other. Like, this was, I don't know if they were just DTF or, you know, they were judge on that. You do you. But... For whatever reason, Brian could not stop seeing Bianca. Like, he was, like, obsessed with her in a sense. You know, they'd have a fight, they'd break up, but a week later he'd be like, yo, how you doing? Sliding. Um, so Bianca got on the phone with the ex and went to hand it to Brian and was like, yo, somebody wants to talk to you. And it was the ex-wife. And she gave, you know, the phone. The ex-wife was like, I'm super worried about him. What can I do to help? So they get on the phone together. And Bianca goes out to take the dog for a walk to give them whatever's going on. So while she's out, Brian finishes the phone call and he goes and he sits outside in his car right outside the apartment and waits for Bianca to come back. Bianca gets back at 825 and an altercation absolutely breaks out in front of the apartment. So Brian exits his vehicle and attacks Bianca without saying a word. Bianca is absolutely caught off guard. She's stabbed multiple times in the stomach and neck. McGee actually broke the knife while he was stabbing Bianca and oh went back God. to his car trying to find another weapon. What the fuck? You don't need more. No. Unfortunately, she dies at the sea. So right oh after God. this attack, Brian posts on Facebook bragging about what he did. And I'm sorry. There was a picture showing that he had in the picture you're not sure if it's him or the girlfriend or the partner but there are gashes on what looks to be and there are also pictures of bianca basically bleeding to death 
don't love that. Um, no. What he, the f- was he on medication? No, not that I know of. Or not that much more. Um, so he then flees in his Pontiac Am- Grand Prix as the police are showing up. So he gets in his car and goes. The police put an alert out because they saw the car, but they didn't realize, like, this was the getaway. So here. Um, so the cops kind of, wa- like, came in as he left. So they put out an APB on the car and on Brian. And while he was running, he called his mom and his sister. And immediately, what I did, sister, this is what I did. So tips started coming in that the car was on Interstate 75 and authorities from the Sheriff's Office, Florida Highway Patrol, and Tampa PD stunned the chase. Um, he led the Tampa police on a high-speed chase through two counties, Hillsborough and Pasco. The chase ended when Brian crashed into a guardrail near in Pasco County near who helped catch Brian. And once he was in custody, he was still on the phone with his sister. He confessed to th- um, he was taken to St. Joseph's Hospital to be treated for his injuries. Um, he was arrested for stabbing his girlfriend, obviously. Um, he was charged with first degree murder. The next day, McGee is booked in his hospital gown. So, like, his, like, mugshot is <laughs> in his, like, you know, Johnny suit. <laughs> his Johnny That's coat. Brutal. <clears throat> um, on July 26, 2013, he was denied bail. And then on July 18th, Brian took a plea deal of life in prison, which removed the death penalty from the table. He was later sentenced to, obviously, life in Florida State Prison without the possibility of parole. And he will never be outside of prison again. And that is the story. I mean, that's fair. Of, that's fair. Yes, absolutely. So that is the so, story uh, of, what was what did we call it? En- 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 talent. Enhancement <laughs> talent, DT Porter. That's so fucking crazy. That was crazy. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's and very... I mean, like, it's crazy because, like, it's, I understand that there's a lot of stress. Yeah. But holy shit, that whole, like. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I think I, it's really sad that he, like, that he put out so many, like, cries for help. And you know what? It really yeah. does seem like, you know, his ex-wife had his back. His, I yeah. mean. If he's in the middle of a, an, a uh, like a chase and he's calling his mom and his sister, it's obvious that he did have support. He just didn't know how to handle it. Like, right. And that's one of those. It, it's just sad. It's just a really bad situation. You know, he just needed help. And uh, because he didn't know how to get it, people got so excited. All right. So first, I didn't know where to put this fun fact. So it's not really fun, but I'm going to put it in here anyway wrestlers are 20 times more likely to die before the age of 45 more than football players why that's a statistic well is that because of like that mix that what is that that concussion was that c re or whatever it's called that's what we're going to talk about but (gasps) there's a couple of other things and it could be drug overdose it could be uh complications with stuff it could be head injuries like we're going to talk about but you know it could be very great I think the big thing with wrestling, um, just to kind of pretext like what we're doing, is that just to go along with your stat, like, and, you know, when you get hurt or if you do, you know, you're wrestling, like you're wrestling, like their shows five days a week. So if, yeah. and if you're one of the top guys, you're wrestling every night. 
um, oh and you know, like you, yeah. there's no day, there really aren't any days off. So you're, you're, no. you're self-medicating, you're doing, you're drinking, you're, you're doing what works for you and how, mm-hmm. you know, people have been in the business. People are here. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? And Roddy Piper had said, you know, you can get into the wrestling business. Anyone can get into it. It's getting out. That's impossible because you will never get away from it going through like a match and if like even if you're not 100 percent, you're going to a different city where they expect you to be the character the guy the woman whatever so if you do a move where you know it hurts like hell but you're known for that move you're gonna do that move more often than not that sounds and that actually kind of goes along with what we're talking about so we're talking about chris benoit Everyone who knows wrestling knows this name and knows that they have tried to erase him from WWE history and everything. Like a celebration because they're what? like, we don't want him. Yeah. So that's what how but he was a person. This... He like exists. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Well, you're going to know why. Oh, wait, yeah. do we, wait, before we start, do we hate come. him? Do we hate him? No. Okay. See, I'm gonna hard. say I'm just I'm just gonna and, say no right now because I am the type of person. Now explain me, me personally. Yes, I can separate the art from the artist. Okay, yeah, absolutely. I can still I can still watch a Chris Benoit match and be like, wow, that was awesome. Yeah, like that. You could you watch his matches like he was a great wrestler. So like you're I I am able to watch a match and be like, this is a wrestling match whatever but i mean not everybody is like you know that so i understand how people can be like i I agree get rid of him but yes so he was born may 21st 1967 in edmonton alberta canada Canada. he went to his first wrestling match and he saw the dynamite kid and dynamite kid had a very similar move set to him because he really did tailor a lot of his stuff based on him and that's what prompted him to be like i need to be a wrestler now the problem with chris is he wasn't like your your dude he was small he had a small frame um he wasn't you know wasn't like the 200 pound 250 pound massive guy so he had to work extra hard and that's what tends to happen so like nick and i talk about this all the time and how it's really hard now there's like cruiserweight divisions where it's like the lighter guys but a lot of the times when you see and you think of WWE, you think of like The Rock, you think yeah. of John Cena, you think of oh, Roman yeah. Reigns and all of because they are big. And so it's 10 times harder for the smaller guys to get noticed. So is he scrappy? So Does he take out knees? Tell me about this guy. He was like a grappler. Yeah. Um, but yeah. One of submission specialists grew up was yeah. like he was trained by one of the most notorious wrestling families in the wrestling business it's called a ranch it's the hart family ranch the Stu hart and he showed up at like 12 like i want to be a wrestler and Stu hart this old you know man said okay and he took him down to his gym and just gave him every submission hold that has ever existed it's a kind of go off of what Nick is saying too. Like when you do submission holds, that's usually the grappling and all that stuff. But it's because of the fact that you're not a bigger guy because you don't have a, a crucifix power bomb. So it's harder. And that's why a lot of those guys tend to kind of turn to enhancement stuff. Because if you're small, like Chris Benoit, I think, 
I, I think Nick, he was like, what, like five, eight or something like that. Five, nine, five, nine. Yeah. So he's not really like you look compared at him. Compared to the guy that you were mentioning who's six foot seven. Yeah. In the world of professional wrestling, you would just be like, who, who do you think would want, would the puppet master would want to push more? It's the guy the who's six, guy. seven built like a brick shit house, not yeah. the guy who's this little midget. Exactly. I'm not saying who was, I'm just saying what the puppet no. masters were. And that's also why a lot of the times Vince McMahon, who we also don't particularly enjoy, um, he tends to like to hire people like that and push the shit out of them. So they're the ones who win the pay-per-views. They're the ones who are always on, they get all the breaks. And like your guy gets kind of like, you know, the talent enhancement because yeah, sure. You look the part, but you're not what we want. So in order for someone who's small, like Benoit or even like a Rey Mysterio, if you know that name, mm. um, they're very small and they're kind of like the scrappy guy that you have to go, all right, I need to train. So training with the Hart family was incredible because they are like the wrestling like training foundation. If you lived, if you lived in Canada, you'd go and if you want to be a wrestler, go there. Chris was always too mentioned as, and everybody said it, like he was like, this was his, he lived and breathed this, like this was his, this is what he wanted. And he was professional with it. Like he was a very quiet, reserved guy, but the minute the bell rang, like that's like, he's on, like he's got that character. So um, in 1985, he started his career at 18 years old. He eventually went to New Japan to wrestle. And Japan is one of those places where they're very big with wrestling and baseball and stuff like that because they just, that's, they love that. Um, and this is actually where he ended up meeting his best friends at the time. So he met his best friend, Eddie Guerrero, which we'll talk a little bit about Eddie. And the two of them actually ended up going to WCW, which was World Championship Wrestling. Oh, I've heard of that. Okay. Which was a complete, like, ridiculous fail because the person in charge had no idea how to do anything and he also tended to be the guy who wasn't putting those smaller guys like eddie and chris were smaller they were not this huge like wrestling type like the the brock lesnar and stuff if you've heard of brock lesnar um so however they had the best match on the card every single time absolutely was they did things that were different than like the Hulk Hogan's like the, the the ultimate warriors where like, it wasn't just, you know, walk around the ring and do this. It was like, they did moves like, and if they, had a, if they had a 20 minute match, 20 minutes of it was straight wrestling. It wasn't yes. like a 20 minute Hulk Hogan matches, 15 minutes of him just like hooking up, walking around, yeah. like, you know, yeah. you know, popping up the crowd. These guys, it was different because they they went out and 20 minutes was 20 minutes of wrestling. And it was like, was, for lack of a better term, it was world-class stuff. Like, yeah. would just do things and they would like, they, I think those guys really put amateur wrestling on the map. So this is, and he's not even like at like pay-per-view level yet. Like we're still building not yet. to that. Like, okay. We're still, he went to WCW, which was at the time competing with WWE because they were live versus WWE that was taped. And there's a whole controversy and stuff. And I'm sure wrestling fans know, but they eventually moved to the WWE together. So eventually Eddie and Chris went together because they were like, we can't really advance here on our own. So now Chris 
did get married and he did have two kids. But then he met his later wife, Nancy. Nancy was actually also into wrestling, but she wasn't a, a female wrestler. She was a what they called a valet, which nowadays it's not really typical for a woman to do just that. Like if you do you remember like a Miss Elizabeth? Have you heard of her now? OK, so it's like it's the idea where they don't wrestle. They just kind of like are the hype man outside the ring. So they get they get the crowd going in the promos in the back. They, oh, they it's like your minion are. A, a little bit. Um, I think it really all depends too on the type of um, person because, like, Nancy Benoit was known as her character in wrestling was known as just woman. She was she, and it's she would dress like. Uh, well, this is now. I, I see I your face. The hypersexualized world of professional wrestling in the nineties, where. I mean, China. wrestling companies were catering to 18 to 35 year olds in the 90s, really. So they see this woman wearing like good looking, good looking woman wearing skin tight clothes. And, you know, yeah, I'm going to watch. I don't care what she is. <laughs> but yeah. like with her, she it's was ass, man. That's with all her, it was different, too, because she could cut a promo, which is yes. which is something that not a lot of people can do, which which cutting a promo, speaking over the mic and getting pe- the crowd engaged. Getting the crowd like you can say you could say whatever you want in front of the microphone. If the crowd doesn't react, you suck. Absolutely. She yeah. had the ability to even though she wasn't a wrestler, she had the ability to like wrap the crowd around her finger and I'm I go to the ring, I look beautiful, and I'm gonna help my guy win, whether it's by hook or by crook. So she was extremely good at her job. She was married to somebody who was a wrestler at the time. Now, this who's the guy, head booker of WCW? The yeah, head booker of WCW. So this guy put Chris and her in a storyline together where they were like a thing, like they were romantically involved, and like then they became romantically involved. So like it's funny because actually Nancy's sister had said on the the documentary, it's like he booked his own divorce because he was like, this is going to be great, and then. Yeah, it turned into but also it was noted that he was abusive physically and verbally and Chris and her were really tight at the time anyway before she got her divorce and he got his divorce so she would go to him and be like hey I'm having trouble with my husband they actually had a match that was almost legitimately real to the point where like he was beating the shit out of him and, and vice versa that wasn't like a work oh my God. so she got divorced he got divorced and the two of them had a son daniel together so everything was seemed to be wonderful and they seemed to be a really great couple even nancy's sister was like they seemed great like he was great with the kids she welcomed his other kids from his other marriage in so it was like a beautiful blended family um chris and eddie continued again they were best like they did everything together and they were such good friends which is funny because at the beginning they both didn't like each other because they were so thick-headed eddie started to get in pain because in the move set that they do he was a higher flyer so he was like you know did the high the frog splash off the top rope and all that kind of that was his move set where like as yeah. opposed to chris like chris was more like a more of the ground game mm-hmm. where yes. eddie 
was I think that's just where training comes in. Eddie got trained um, in Mexico. So Mexico yeah. is the type of place where you'll see guys high flyers. Japan is the place where you'll see guys who are more grapplers. Okay. Now, to get your name out there in wrestling, you got to go to one of those places or both. But you'll learn like different styles and everything. So Eddie brought the style of it's called in Lucha Libre mm-hmm. to Japan. And the style in Japan was brought to the United States when both of them came over. Not them creators of it, but like styles of it where you'd see different moves and like you're just like, damn, damn. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> very well rounded in the wrestling world as well. Well rounded and okay. just very just ahead of their time. So Eddie, though, because of his injuries, as Nick had mentioned before, you tend to self-medicate. So he started to use (laughs) drugs. He started to use alcohol. It would get so bad that actually Chris would sit with him like when he was super, super drunk and sit like make sure to like turn him on his side. So if he threw up, he had a couple of overdoses. So it was really difficult. Um, Eddie did eventually have to go to rehab because the WWE fired him. But being off TV and being in rehab, as we kind of discussed before, and with your guy especially, it's like a thing where it's like, this could really hurt your career. But Eddie did get clean. Um, he was rehired. And the really cool thing is that the 2004 WrestleMania show, both Eddie and Chris won their respective belts. It's And so Yay! they celebrated together. It's so beautiful to watch that because they're best friends. They both were like, we're going to win tonight. This is great. Like, this was like the iconic, like the, ring, the top like, of their career. Like, everything that you, everything that'll make you cry and be like, this is so beautiful. It happened. It's like miracle. It's, it did. And it was the great. hockey, the it U.S. Was hockey yeah. team winning. It's all downhill for here. So buckle up. And in, in retrospect, <laughs> it's like the saddest image in professional wrestling. After everything happened. The the typical, like, like, that is, like, the saddest image because they were on top of the world. And then it just kind of declined from there. Now, for Eddie, he actually was having issues, different types of health issues, um, where he would, like, pass out in the middle of a sentence and then, like, kind of regain consciousness and not realize what happened. It's kind of like that, but it was, like, it wasn't, like, a sleep type of thing. And, And so people were, like, you know, maybe you should, you know, Go see somebody about that. 2005, on the road. Eddie was on the road with his nephew, Chavo, and Chris. They were traveling together because, as Nick mentioned before, not only is the health insurance you have to pay for yourself, you got to do your own travel stuff, too. So a lot (laughs) of the guys do carpool. Um, So they all were in the same hotel. They're like, hey, you know what? We're going to get up at this time. We're going to go to the hotel gym. We're going to, you know, there's the plan. Eddie missed his wake-up call. So the hotel people called Chavo and was like, hey, your, your uncle missed the wake-up call. Um, you know, should we be concerned? They, they walked in his, his room and they found him dead in his hotel room. The fuck? And it was just so devastating. Like Chavo walked in and he's like, I knew he was gone. By looking at him, I knew. Like he'd been gone. So there's no like CPR. It was just... So the crazy thing about this is that it wasn't a relapse because people were like, oh, he was just, he went back to drugs. He had a heart condition. He had heart disease. And that's why, that was the whole thing with why he was passing out. And oh no. so, that's and sad. Eddie was like, I, 
I don't remember exactly how old he was, but like he was 32. not 38. There you go. Holy it's, shit. And so now did he have heart this, disease? Like, I don't know if you know this, like, was it like a hereditary thing or was it because of like how hard he went and drove? A contributing factor was that past prescription abuse and like mm. abuse of alcohol and all that. And the term like Eddie was ter- a clean and like wrestler's terms where yeah. clean is like, you know, we're not drinking. We're not, you know, smoking weed. We're not because it was different time back then. Yeah. But Eddie was still taking steroids. Because yeah. just yeah, you, know, you he was still like you can't, and especially when you're he's in his late thirties now, more people are coming up, more people are trying to take the spot that he worked so hard to get. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. So in terms of like when you hear like wrestling, it's like oh yeah he was clean. It's like, well is he clean in the clean term or is he clean in wrestling term? Because there's a major difference. So, when. Chris found out that Eddie died and everything to come with it. He, it, this, this really broke him. Like this was his breaking point. He like did not know how to function without Eddie. And a lot of people said he didn't handle it well. Sometimes after the fact, he would go to Eddie's family's house because they were, they were great friends. He would like sit and cry in his gym. And then he's like, I just don't know how to go on without him. And it was just like, this was part of his breaking point. He started to push people away. Nancy mentioned to family members and to, of course, even to Vicky, who was Eddie's wife. He was talking about more violent things. He was getting more paranoid. He was more uh, irritable. Yeah. It just, it didn't seem great. She also said to him on multiple occasions, you probably shouldn't be around wrestling anymore because everything, every place you go to, there's, you go to the same places. And he's like, last time I was here, I was with Eddie. Last time, you know, and it's just, it's too much. Yeah. He didn't take any time off after Eddie's funeral. So he really didn't have time to grieve because oh, he was just it. work, work, work. So now we, now we get to um, June 2007. So two years after Eddie's death. All right. Chris missed a flight to the pay-per-view. Uh, and everyone's like, this is weird. He doesn't miss these flights. Now, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Like, he sent weird text messages to friends the night before or that weekend. He said that, you know, that he's going to stay home. He's not going to go out because his wife and his son were had really bad food poisoning. I'm not going to get into all that. The WWE called the Georgia police. They were like, hey, can you do a wellness check? Because it's kind of weird. This isn't like him. So the cops show up, and there was actually a neighbor that happened to be outside. And they said to them, like, hey, how long has it been since you've seen the family? And they said, you know, like three to four days. They had two German shepherds out in the back and they were about outside. Um, so the the cops were like, hey, are you familiar with the dogs? Can you, you know, put them away? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah no problem. I'll take care of it. The neighbor goes into the back door, which happened to be open to bring the dogs in. And then she comes out. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Sam, Sam already knows where this is going. She comes out and she's screaming because <gasps> she found Chris's son. What? Yeah. He's it's like a little worse. kid, right? Like he, he had what, 10 yes, maybe? Not even? <gasps> so upon searching the house, because once, of course, the cops see that, they found Nancy also dead. Oh, no. Um, And then they go to the basement gym where they f- see that Chris had hanged himself <gasps> with his gym equipment. So the lat pull-down machine. Um, So it's, it's not great. Um, now... <laughs> 
at the time, all of the stuff, like all of the specific details of everything were not released. So WWE went, oh no, they all died together in their house. So they thought, let's do a memorial type of show where we highlight Chris Benoit. Now. They had no details. All they were told no. were like, this is what happened. We're in, per them, there's like, this is what happened. We're investigating. And at the time, the WWE had a show to put on at 8 o'clock. And at that mm-hmm. time, it was like early, late afternoon where they figured it out. So they had a couple yeah. hours to kind of figure out everything. Yes. I don't like where so, this is going. I don't. You guys are saying they did a just, beautiful tribute. But what you guys are saying is that like they knew the family was dead. They didn't realize that he had hung himself in the basement yet, so they didn't really put everything together. And they also didn't know that he was the reason for the deaths. <gasps> it looked even worse for WWE later because they put on this beautiful tribute, and then later on they realized, oh fuck. He killed his family and then himself. My tits are sweating. Which is the reason why nowadays it's been said people um, who were employed at the time were like, don't mention his name. We're not talking about him anymore. We're erasing him from everything. Um, Again, as Nick said, it was like the news came in late afternoon and they had a show to put on at eight, like a live show. So, yes, we can say that was a whoops on their part. But at the same time, people were like, maybe you should have waited um but but as the wrestling people who owned his name in a sense it's like we should be the ones who quote unquote break say something break it to our community the counterpart that i i always found interesting was like the show raw that night monday night raw is the name of the show it starts it started at eight o'clock it was it was a special that night where it started at eight um they had found out you know depending on whom you ask two three four o'clock in the afternoon oh yeah it's just quick it's odd to me though that the timing that the that the police department in Fayetteville County in Georgia didn't at least tell the WWE this is what we think yes that's what I find odd because what WWE has consistently said is like all we know all we knew was that there were you know this was this is what happened like they were dead no one was think. No one was thinking like you know, oh, what happened. Like you know, no well, at one that thought point, the worst case scenario, which was I don't even know if that's. I mean, but but Fayetteville probably look- didn't want to release that information because what if it was a murder, like a full on murder? What is that like? Made it look like right. Chris is the one. Like they hung. You know what I'm saying? Like true. So that's they didn't true. Want to release that information it's a theory. to the world. When you looked at the scene, like, it's very clear that it's a murder. Yeah, absolutely. It's not not a, oh, carbon monoxide poisoning. Got all of that. You know, like, it's very clear that there was foul play. And it's, like, sickening to hear Fayetteville's like, yeah, this is, we opened it and closed it. It was a quick, you know, this is what happened. You're satisfied with the results. Now, they're on their end, yeah, great. You know, they did their job. They figured it out. But mm-hmm. at the same time, um, like, I don't know, if Jen, if you're going to go into the details of how, like, but with Nancy, oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. Nan- like <laughs> uh, she was wrapped in a blanket and her arms and her legs were kind of tied together. So clearly it was an yeah. act of, like, 
anger and like and it was, I mean, I don't know, based on what the initial, like, even a quick walk around, I don't know, I felt like something at least could have, should have been said. But um, oh, great. then as the night went on, and as the show, you know, because Raw, Monday Night Raw ends at 11. 11 o'clock uh, news is like, stay tuned, because we're going to talk about what happened in Georgia. And they, you know what? You're, that's, you're right. That's exactly what happened. Is that after it and after the show ended, where they showed um, the last thing they showed on Raw was Chris Benoit winning the title and having him with Eddie Guerrero. Oh my god! That was the last image of that Monday Night Raw. And then if you tuned into Fox on at eleven o'clock, you would see there's a there's a murder in Fayetteville County, Georgia, involving a professional wrestler. Yep. Stay tuned. I exactly. This is terrible. Who thought this was a good? Nancy was bound. She was strangled by a fo- a telephone wire. Oh God! And it looked as though someone had like pulled back her arms, kind of like to break her back. No, no, yeah. no, no. Sorry, no, I should have triggered it. No, um, no. So, and she was wrapped in a blanket. Daniel had Xanax in his system. So we're going to make the assumption that he was asleep, that, 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 that's what Chris wanted. Okay. Now, okay. it was said in the autopsy that Nancy had died Friday. So he killed her Friday. Daniel had died Saturday. And Chris killed himself Sunday. So this is like a planned out type of... So when was Matt- he- there's a pay-per-view on Sunday, but there yes. was a there was what we call untelevised, they're called house shows on yes. Saturday. He was supposed to be in um I think it was Houston on Saturday. And he had called called Chavo, his travel buddy, was like, Oh listen, I'm not gonna make it. Like, you know, stuff's going on, like I, I can't make can you cover for me? Yeah, we got you. No worry. Was, I'll cover, you know, yeah. uh, he's fine, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. You're being a good person, you know, at the you end of the think day. You are. Yeah, like you're trying to help out. So at that point, though, when he did talk to Chavo, Nancy was already dead. Yes. So that's why we it was just even more going back. You're like, holy fuck. So Daniel, he had given him a Xanax and he suffocated him. But it actually turned out in the autopsy that Daniel actually died from the overdose of Xanax. Child. You have to think about an eight-year-old. So an adult size, because like Nancy was taking Xanax, like a regular dosage that's appropriate. But an adult dosage versus giving it to a kid is different. So the crazy thing about both of them is that for whatever reason, and I still don't really understand this, he planted a knife underneath Daniel's bed. Um, Nobody was stabbed, so I don't know. Um, but the both of them had a Bible next to them. So Sunday, Chris ended up killing himself, but he actually looked up their internet searches, showed a couple passages from the Bible, and quickest way to break your own neck. So he also had a Bible left with a suicide note, and the suicide note just said, quote, preparing to leave this world. Oh my God! He was yeah. aware of what he was doing in the moment. Yes. What so if he was. The... I... Yeah. So oh, this is I the reason why so bad with everyone that. immediately went with 
okay, then this has got to be roid rage because he was on steroids and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Well, that was going to be my next so, question. What did they find in his system when they did his? I think it's important to note that, especially, you know, different time, mm-hmm. people are getting overprescribed. You're a wrestler. She had the same doctor as him. So anything that he got, hey, can I, can I get that too? You oh, know, yeah, I'll like, take two. So when they did finally, like, because WWE eventually, because they, of course, went after them. And they're like, you guys are, you know, your, your drug policy is ridiculous. He was taking steroids. Steroids were in his system because he did have an exed, like excelled amount of testosterone. So WWE released a statement, quote, physical findings announced by authorities indicate deliberation, not rage. His wife's hands and feet were bound. She was asphyxiated, not beaten to death. By account of authorities, there was substantial <laughs> periods of time between the death of his wife and the death of his son, again, suggesting deliberate thought, not rage. I would agree So with the that. idea of roid rage is like you're in the moment and it just... It's a so crime of passion WWE, at that point almost. This yes. Is, this is calculated. So they're, they're arguing, no, it's it's not that. It's not um, a rage thing. Well, I'm so but glad that have, they're all psychiatrists who can just, you know, they all went to he did have steroids in his system, but there was also, you know, a couple of other things going on underneath. So there actually was a former wrestler who had to stop wrestling because of the fact that he got a lot of concussions. Yep. Now, I think it's Nowinski. Am I right? Christopher Nowinski. Yeah. Harvard. He, right? also... like he was the one who coined the phrase CTE. CTE. And coined it. Yeah. He coined yep. it. He was the one who wrote mm-hmm. books about it. He was the one who, I know Dr. Bennett Amalu was the one who, mm-hmm. was the one who really discovered it. But Christopher Nowinski started the Concussion Foundation, which is for people like Chris and people who may have Antonio Brown soon, who are going to have CTE yeah. and or may experience it. And it's just like, like right. what, what which... can we do right now to, to make sure that I don't, go off the handles or just go go insane because like all the stories that you hear of people who like their brains had you know developments of cte they their deaths are like in spectacular fashion for and it's yeah. like people die like there was like a blaze um, of glory yeah. almost like just, yeah really it honestly it's just like, is i actually looked up a little bit about what the effect and they they mentioned it and I also went into the doctor to see what he had to say too, because they did they did test Chris's brain. His dad did give them permission. Excellent. Because Chris Nowinski, who is the guy who did, as Nick said, he created the Concussion Legacy Foundation, and he wanted to do lots of research on this idea of the chronic traumatic endopathology. And nailed it. Jen, you nailed it. You did great. And pepper, pepper, pepper. So we're just going to call it CTE because I'm like, yeah. so basically what this is, is it's a gen- degenerative brain disease caused by too many hits to the head where areas of tau protein are dispositioned throughout the brain, which basically rots the brain. Yeah. So for Chris, it was kind of affecting like the emotional areas, but when looked at, so when they did, not only did they find that his brain was positive for CTE, um, Dr. Omalu said, quote, we have confirmed most multiple co- concussions are a part of his medical history. Mm. He had a brain that resembled an 85-year-old 
with auth- or, um, Alzheimer's. Oh, God. Which would lead to ponder how Mr. Benoit would have found his way to the, to the airport, let alone been able to remember all the moves and info he needed in order to perform in the ring. So his brain was fucked. Yeah. And honestly, there are some sources that I read that said that he maybe because of other things, he really didn't have, he really wasn't going to live much longer because of other health things because of all of this. But this just kind of. Exactly. Think of the same thing that happened with Eddie, like heart failure. If he, if it was going to keep going and I think the WWE would probably rather prefer that, you know? Yeah. I think Instead it's super funny yeah. that so, we all talk about like the 60s and 70s being a time like you, know, you could have cocaine and drink on the job and all that. But yeah. I'm sorry. I honestly think the 90s were a time like what a yeah. time to be alive. The opioid crisis started then, you know, steroids, all of these things. And it's all in mass market. So it's not like, you know, just behind closed doors in your office. Now it's front and center. So Great. it's a whole different. It's a whole. And then in a place like the WWE. Um, I mean, something, this is another episode, probably. No one died, so I don't think so. Um, but Vince McMahon was sued by the FBI because Good. he was accused of telling his telling his performers, hey, you should do some HGH. You should, you should try this. It'll make you bigger. It'll get you, I'll put you on TV. I hate that guy. So, like, there was a time when that was a thing. Now, Vince was never, well, Vince was acquitted of that. So, by legal terms, Vince didn't do anything wrong. There was this culture where it was like, and it was kind of like, I feel like it was like one of the uh, old army, uh, like, don't ask, don't tell. It's like, mm. don't ask about it. And, mm, you know, right. don't worry about it type thing. Um, like, people, and especially people who have like were there, people knew where to get stuff. People knew how to medicate and mm-hmm. people like, and I mean, after all these years of someone like Chris, like, you know, you're, you're in the ring, you do you five nights a week, you, you get a routine, you know, mm-hmm. I, I take, I'll take three of these, I'll take five of these. What if I take six of these? What if I do this? Like, and that, that stuff kind of happens for like the younger wrestler and like, yeah. and you were saying the nineties, like this is, this was 2000s, like late 2000s. Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Where like so stuff was like, oh, shit. yeah, it was not the nineties. Yeah, nope. this was yeah, this no, is like the early two thousand, two thousands. And yeah, it's like, crazy. Where people kind of where people are still getting hit in the head with chairs, and you're still doing a bunch of stuff, and like it. And it's eh, not until it, recently, really, that they started to look into concussions too for like NFL players, mm. um, because you think of Aaron Hernandez, which eventually I will cover. Um, I was, that's the name that's situation. been on like the tip of my tongue this whole conversation right now. Yeah, it's like because he has a similar situation yeah. with what you know his background, um, and there's a couple of other people that I I found um, that have similar things. So it's crazy. Head injuries are cr- it's are, not something to fuck around with at all, like in no. any way, shape, or form. But and and it's not until again recently where stuff like that came up, which is crazy because. You think of Chris Benoit's finishing move was the headbutt, was the flying headbutt. Was like a diving he headbutt off the top rope. Yeah. And, and it's and like. That was, and that was his move, like, whether it's off of the top rope, whether it's off of a ladder, whether it's off of a steel cage. I, yeah. Just, it's a lot. You know? I hate that. Like, it's just when you have a move and the fans are there, you know. We're going to mention 
Chris's doctor because getting back to the drugs, Ugh. he did. He was on steroids. Steroids were in his system. But as Nick said, it's it was very like a don't ask, don't tell policy. The apparently they said that the drug policy for the WWE was very strict. Very However, the, the a couple of weeks before <coughs> this whole incident happened, Chris passed. Now he was on steroids; they were in his system, but he passed the policy. Yeah. He so passed the WWE issued drug drug policy. Because when Eddie passed away, the WWE implemented a wellness policy. It's called a wellness policy, to where can't smoke weed, can't do this. But you know, yeah, what the, there are there are loopholes the size of craters in there, clearly, mm-hmm. and as like Jen <laughs> will explain. Yeah, but see, so it does not make any lick of sense that Chris Benoit passed no. his wellness policy test. No, however. It makes a whole lot more sense when you realize that the WWE issued the test and it was WWE's doctors that said he passed. Good job. He passed. Yeah. It's fine. Cool. Even even his wife, Nancy, like they were having some marital problems before this whole incident. And she had texted him being like, get off the shit because this is insane. Like you're a different person. Get off the fucking steroids. Get off the drugs because the policy is a joke. She even that. fucking said it to him. He said the policy, like, the policy is, is a, a fucking we, joke. We both know the policy is a joke. And it and, is because how do you pass and then there's steroids in your system? Yeah, exactly. What the WWE started to do was for guys like um, Chris and Eddie and smaller who would just, uh, I wouldn't say, I guess use steroids and they were starting to feel the effects of steroids, kind of comastia, um, like stuff like that. They would get prescribed testosterone as the medical term testosterone replacement therapy. So the guys and uh, performers, I'll say, can still take, you know, their, you know, HGH and, and steroids as well as get as well as TRT. So yep. it's it's basically adding you know, we're you're, just you're overloaded. The fire. We're just feeling the fire. Yeah, so, you know, exactly. Like, cool. Hate that. <coughs> I hate it. Exactly. So Chris was getting steroids because he had his doctor, Dr. Phil Aston. Dr. Phil um was was sending him this kind of drugs, but not only him, other athletes online, you just go, Hey, I need it. And they'd send it to their houses. So it's like a, yeah. it's like a, you know, a pharmacy system where they, and it's unmarked boxes. Nobody. Yeah. I see your face. Hey, I, I, I need, was like, what do I, I need? should I need be surprised, weed. but I'm not, I need some vodka. You want to send me some weeks in the sink of ship. So that's fine. But just send them over. I mean, if you need to get rid of it, Sam will help you. It's fine. Jen yeah. will come over. But, but that's the reason. But that's well, also like, the reason why. We didn't when, need to like, you know, there wasn't any like verification. Like, oh, who are no. you? No. And that's so the thing. Like, when, black like Nick, when Nick said before <laughs> that like Chris has this doctor and Nancy just didn't really have the same doctor, but she just kind of was like, hey, could you add to the order? This was the guy that did that. Fine. Because. His office, after this whole thing, was completely seized. They seized all his records and everything else. He was charged in 2008 with prescribing medication in another case. So not Chris, but another case. 
And then in 2009, he admitted to illegally prescribing drugs, sometimes without even examining the patients. Is Just, this the guy who, who killed Michael Jackson? Like, what the fuck are we doing here, people? You know what? <laughs> prescribing medications and, like, yeah, you know, time. giving people, like, 10 months supplies of stuff for, like... Exactly. Just, just, and then, just, oh, just I need it. But he was charged. This doctor was charged with 175 counts That's not of enough. malpractice in that sense. That's not enough. And he was sentenced to 10 years in prison. That is so not enough. It's not. He's, because he's dead, you... by the way. Good. Oh, is he? I don't like that He guy. died in prison. Oh, Ironically, died in prison. on the same day of we found out the Benoit tragedies. That's, you can't make this shit up, can you? See, this is why I'm here. Holy to bring shit. You crazy. My brain just crazy. kind of exploded a little bit. Yeah, I, it's crazy. This is why I'm here. Thank you. So following this, the CTE discovery, a number of wrestlers and um, people of, or like deceased wrestlers, a lot of their family members were like, let me see something. So they were also diagnosed with similar symptoms. So four cases of NFL players had similar findings and outcomes. Two of those people, and I didn't get their names, two of them died by suicide. And one of them heard voices and led police on a car chase where he was killed because he went the wrong way on the highway. I've heard, heard of, of him. The highway. I've heard of that one. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember yeah. who it was, though. 60 professional wrestlers and representatives of deceased wrestlers filed lawsuits against the WWE because they claimed that they concealed the risk of injury, especially with CTE. However, the lawsuits were all dismissed. So it was a matter of, you know, like, well, we'll, well it's, it's the idea is, kind of is there, that... but you can't blame the WWE. Like, Agreed. the idea yeah, is there because... that they like kept it going like they were the ones who were like you yeah. need to make bigger better moves you need to do things that are harder on your body to make yourself stand out like but it right it's not their fault that people were whacking it's not their, their heads fault. on things like and they went with the pg rating um they stopped guys from cutting themselves which is um bleeding how they would start bleeding all over the place they stopped they tried to make it because if you got hit with a chair it was full but now you kind of notice that they kind of hide, like kind of put the arm up a little bit. And it's like, so it's more safe because you can't fucking hit people with fucking chairs. No. Like you can't fucking do that. But you hear the impact still, but they try to do safety measures now to avoid shit like that. But you're right. Like that's kind of where I'm like, I get it to a sense, which is a like, safety matter. I get it. I get being like, I'm pissed because my family member suffered through this or is suffering through this. But you're right. Like, it's not, it's you're not like they were like, hey, just. Like, unfortunately, as horrible yeah. as that is, you were hired. Like you guys are saying, you were hired yeah. as a 1099. You're taking your health yeah. into your hands yeah. for this, uh, yep. for this job, this career that you want. You, I mean, yeah. at some point you do need to have a personal, like, going down this path. You, it's like I always say, your mental health or your mental illness is not your fault. However, it is your responsibility. So once you know that there is yes. a problem, if you are not doing something to fix it or help yourself or help your family, it you need to take that on as your own like responsibility. Right. I could it's be wrong. Factoid, just to add to that. Um, so the reason why Christopher Nowitzki was so inclined to get Chris Benoit's brain 
was when Chris, because WWE was like, it's an open, like, if you, once you work there, unless you really piss off everybody, you're always welcome back. So Chris came back just one, one, one day, just came back after a show and was like, and he had, he had wrote a book about it. And Crispin, he remembers Crispin Benoit sitting right next to him and being like, so I heard you wrote this book mm-hmm. about concussions. And Chris Nowitzki's like, yeah, you know, I'm explaining this. And Chris Benoit goes, how many concussions have you had? And Chris Nowitzki goes, oh, I can remember about six. And then he's like, well, what about you? And Chris is like, Chris Benoit is like, I don't remember. Truly. I don't remember how many I've had. Yeah, it's time to stop. Then Chris Nowitzki gave like conversation half Chris was like, here's my phone number. Let's talk. Like, yeah. let's talk because it was eerily like it was eerie because like you had said, like, it's your responsibility. Chris, had, Chris Benoit is like, something's wrong. Something's up. And something's maybe not right. I might not know what it is or how to explain it. And I think that's yeah. also yes. a big problem in the mental health community. Like, now it's a lot more open. I mean, we talk about it openly right. on this show. You know, we all have our own things. But it, like, back then in the early aughts and the 90s, like, you didn't talk about being sad. You didn't talk about having issues. No. You were told, pull up on your bootstraps and just go with it. So the fact that he even said something about it to somebody else, something happened. Right, and I mean, mix that all with, the amount of steroids and, and who knows what other stuff. And of, of course he was abusing alcohol because after Eddie's death, he just never really recovered. Yeah. Plus grief, plus stress, plus all of the, the stuff that he's putting his body through. It's just really like, Jesus Christ, like this guy. And again, honestly, like there were, I don't know the source, but I, I think it was the documentary where they said if he had stopped because his, like they said, maybe you should retire and open up a wrestling school. And there was a plan that he was eventually going to do that, but he just kept going. But maybe if he had, maybe he would have died of natural, not, not natural, but like at least more of like an Eddie death. Yeah. Because you have, there's two people now, Eddie Guerrero who died and he went through rehab and all that stuff. But his death is like, they did the tribute. Everyone still is like tributing to Eddie and all that stuff. Chris is now like, nobody fucking wants to know his name because of what happened to him. And these are two guys that, went through the business together and have similar issues. Like, I mean, if you look at Eddie's brain, maybe it's a similar thing. We don't know, but like, yeah, they went down the same path of like being too small and always being told you're not, you're too small. You're too this, you're too that. And it's crazy to know that both guys were using steroids and yeah, one guy is sensationalized. The other guy is, Villainized. You don't know what I'm saying. Villainized. Like and anything, don't and anything related to that villain, anybody who has had ever had a match, a conversation, anything, that part of your career is gone. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that had like matches and like their storylines, matches, like you can't find them anywhere. I mean, yeah, wrestling like I you know, it's from a while ago, but still you remember like the you remember the stuff that you watched. There's that video where you see the two, like Eddie and him celebrating and someone, di- and they did a blackout. Like, like Eddie Guerrero was hugging nothing. Like it's they insane. They just eradicated they, him. Yeah. 
they just wanted to get rid of him off the list. And every, like every edit of that picture is just Eddie Guerrero holding. Yeah, nothing. nothing. It's, it's as if Eddie Guerrero's in the ring by himself. Which and it's just so sad because that was such an iconic moment for that particular WrestleMania and anybody who watched it. And it's just because you just have two different things. And and even like Chavo Guerrero said on um, the documentary, you, you still love Chris. You just don't love what he did because yeah. I, I, who knows what the fuck started it. Apparently there was an altercation between him and Nancy. Is that the reason that all of a sudden, but he went days like that whole weekend, like different things happen. And you're just like, how did he not go? Holy fuck. Like, you know, and that might've like, been maybe what I, happened. You know, he and like maybe that's he might why have he raged, you know, killed the wife, unfortunately, and then was like, what do I do with this kid? Like, you know, yes, it's my kid. But, you know, if you have this issue with your brain, like you're detaching. Right. You already said that he had the brain of like a quote unquote 85 year old with all, with Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. It could very well and be. Is- yeah. And the thought of thought of your kid being orphaned or having be. your kid have to grow up like, oh, you're the son of a murderer. What if, heaven forbid, right. the kid was there when the wife was killed? Right. So now my kid so thinks of me as a murderer. My kid a can't monster. look at me the same way. I mean, this and is it, all speculation. Was, People who are listening, this is absolutely right. speculation. We have yeah. no idea. We're kind it, of because we don't know. Out. We have no what idea. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly, no. but the crazy thing too is that his his older son, because he had two kids from another marriage, yeah, his older son was basically ostracized as well. Like the WWE wanted nothing to do with him. Um, they, oh. it's and and he was like, you know, it didn't it didn't happen to him. Like it's not, but it's his father, and he even said he had such a rough, like dark time dealing with this because. Oh. Everybody who he had contact with in WWE, every every person who was like, hey, you know, like nothing. They they completely cut him off. Um, they actually even kind of put it in his head that Nancy's family wanted nothing to do with them either. So they also cut him off. And, and Nancy's sister was like, I was told that they wanted nothing to do with us because I would have still reached out to my you know, my nephew, because basically she thought of him as a nephew, Absolutely. but they went years without talking because there was something that went in their minds where, no, you can't talk to each other because, and if you know, like your last name is Benoit and you're related to him, of course there's going to be speculation. And he even says to, to this day, he's like, my dad is still my hero, but there was just something, you know, it, it wasn't him. It wasn't him in that moment. But it's just so sad. And it's yeah. just so that's why when Nick said at the top of this and said, we don't necessarily hate him because there are people who are going to say, oh, yeah, he did a fucking horrible thing. He's a monster. Yes, that's one side of this guy. But the other side was the good father was the the guy who was very professional, who was very much like this is my life. And he was a great friend and a great role model to his his sons and everything else and it's just it's sad when one moment defines are so bad. your legacy honestly you hear, you hear people you know like i know we don't really mention neighbors and stuff like i don't really go out of my way to see like oh my neighbors are outside but yeah. like they ask like when you know they're trying to like the police are trying to like pick up pieces like you know was this guy ever this was this guy ever that everybody or every person at least that they found they asked was like 
he, they, he loved his kids. He would talk about his kids. It was always, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. So you, you just think, like, this guy is just a very to-himself guy. To, from the outside, you think this guy is just to himself, dedicated yeah. to his craft. And, you know, like, There was a distinct it. line between uh, wrestling ring Chris Benoit and, and his personal yeah, life. Human absolutely. walking around with absolutely. his family at Disneyland yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's sad because for his friends, basically, because they didn't dissociate themselves from him because they're like, you know, we still, he was a great guy. Um, some people, the whole reason why they went into wrestling was because of him. They watched his matches and they, you know, so one of them was like, it's really funny because he would do anything and he basically gave his life for the sport, but he almost destroyed it in that particular moment as well because with all of that came all of the speculation of, the drug policy and the steroids and the and the concussion stuff and it just to the point where WWE was in trouble at that point because they had so many fires to put out. Yeah. To get back to their drug policy, I looked it up. <laughs> um, they, it's apparently very strict, and if you are found with drugs or found with some kind of substance, thirty days you're suspended. Okay. So you can't be on TV. The second time, it's 60 days. And the third time, you are fired. Now, if you even get tested once and it's and it turns into the number one, they are subject to random searches for an entire year to follow up on that. But there are a couple of people, we might not mention names, but there are a couple of really big wrestlers who did fail the drug policy at least three times and have never been fired and have never been off TV. <gasps> so you're going to tell are me just, offline, right? Cause now I need to know. Spill the tea. Of, well, you might not know the people, oh. but it depends on who you are because the, the more known of a name you are, they might go, mm, okay. And kind of let it go versus someone who was not a very big name so it kind of depends on your place in the business again especially if you get fired or not because sure eddie guerrero was fired for his duis and all that kind of stuff that he did but nowadays again there are a multitude of wrestlers who you know are on like you can't look at like a john cena even the rock like you can't look at them and say they're not on some kind of performance enhancement but they continue to, to to wrestle there are guys in that ring who are absolutely natural, and those are the ones that are that end up like your guy, yeah. who just kind of like, oh, well, your your job is to lose, yeah. and it's like, but I'm natural. I'm the one doing this naturally. I'm training. I'm doing all this kind of stuff, but they're the ones that get fucked, and it's just too bad. And that's why th- this case in particular is like, a lot of people stay away from it because they're like, it's so controversial because you could, yeah. as Nick said. It's not really a we hate him situation, but at the same time, you're like, we you can't definitely don't disregard like did, the fact though. that he killed his wife and son. Yeah. At the same time, you see, like, his brain was rotted to the point where he was probably going to die anyway within the next year. Yeah. So. It's, it's a bad. This just is just sucks, one of those so. really bad situations where. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Also, to note that Dr. Aston. um inside the wrestling business he was known as the candy man yeah and it makes sense (laughs) because he just handed out fucking drugs 
And it's like the thing is with some it's they, like that's yeah. that's a term is just like be like, yeah, you need you need some candy. Like they're not really like when Jen touched on it, like he Chris Benoit, that whole thing, it really it really almost destroyed the rest because it didn't got involved and you just saw the extent of how many people were being like in an abusive company or how many people were abusing performance enhancing drugs and stare or and or steroids and it just That's it happened. got to the point where like the roster for wwe in 07 was cut in half because of how many people were had failed drug tests administered yeah. by Doctors not employed by the doctors, WWE. not just WWE doctors. And it and also like when it was really interesting to me because this is something I learned. If we're going off of what we learned today, oh yeah, what did we learn today? I, what did we learn? When, what I learned from your case is that he was told that um, he was told that he couldn't wrestle for a certain amount of time. There have been times where WWE doctors have been like, you got to go on. So we're going to just pump you with something and go out there. So and like even in professional sports, that shit happens where it's like, um, you got to get back out there. You can't fuck it. You can't fuck around in here. Like we can't we can't lose you. So it was really interesting to me that your guy was told, no, you can't come back Mm -hmm. for this amount of time. So that's what I learned today. I have learned that when you start seeing warning signs, even if it's the most little teeny tiny thing, if something is out of someone's character, just be like, are you good? Like just asking the question can help. Like what DT Porter's ex-wife was trying to do was correct. She was doing the right thing. Unfortunately, in that situation, he was a little too far gone down the rabbit hole. It's, It's terrible, but... I mean, we've talked about it to death on this show already. So just if you see something, say something. So just too bad. Nick, did you learn Um, anything today in our episode? I think mostly what I learned is that what I learned could say, um, because you had mentioned like the uh, eras, like the 60s, the 70s, and you said the 90s. We're we are not that far away from finding out these things aren't right. And I think cases like um, DT where it's like that happened in 2012. Yeah, that's not I mean, it's not that long ago. No, it's 12 years ago. It's only 12 years ago. I think I I truly think that I'm trying to look at a glass half full. I think strides have been made in each entity that has like especially in wrestling where you don't see a lot of the big bulky, you know, lumber guys anymore you see guys who have an wrestling background who can wrestle who are not who who are big but you know that they are just that's the gym that is a hundred percent the gym and um i think another thing is like yeah warning signs because like it was it's especially from people that you know are soft-spoken especially from people you know it might be out of character let them tell you they're good because yeah but when you see like professional athletes and and then you hear something terrible happen you're like what what could have been done to prevent it yeah so i think there are more preventive measures in place but um i think sam you said it best it's not it's not your fault but it's your responsibility yes 
And I think until and that having a responsibility, some people don't ha- don't grasp it as well as others. So in some instances where stuff like this happens, like we look to we look to we always look to blame somebody, anything. And something. But really, something. It's one, one. What I noticed, but it's it's never. It, it's just it never really is. Never. It's always compounding issues and if you have if you don't have um a a system in place where you can deal with it yeah it's just you're not it's not going to be a healthy environment no nope well now that we've ended on on like a real serious downer guys thanks so much for joining us (laughs) again okay all right, let's do that again. So thanks, Nick, for joining us. Uh, so great that you were able to explain stuff to me. Hopefully it helped some of our yeah. listeners as well who are not as well-versed in the wrestling world. Um, make sure you're following us on your so- on our social media. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, make sure you rate, review, subscribe, and tell a friend. Um, if you rate us on Spotify, Facebook, or iTunes, guys, it's really helping the other day we had a whole new country. Please don't ask me to pronounce it because I can't, but I'm super. Whoop, whoop. Uh, make sure you visit our website, deathbeforebooze.com. You can find our merch and our Patreon there. Join our Patreon. There's a lot of extra content. Um, and that's it. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Okay. All right. Stay spooky, guys. <laughs>